I will rise on eagle's wings. Uh, Hillsong is uh, the group here on Radio Veritas, 5, 7, 6 a.m. And uh, so time for Father Russell Pollitt as uh, we discuss uh, what uh, is happening in our country and, of course, uh, in the church as well. Father Russell Pollitt, director of the Jesuit Institute.org.za. Father. Morning. How are you today? I'm finding yourself, Kanya. I'm great, thank you. So it's a, a beautiful morning, uh, apparently cold as well. Too bad. I was up earlier and out and uh, didn't think it was as bad as the last few mornings have been. Okay, so that's good then. <laughs> but, you should, but you should know because you must have got up in the middle of the night. In the middle of show. the night, yes. <laughs> and uh, well, yeah, well, uh, the last two days I didn't, so... I think you are in a better position then to comment on that one. (laughs) (laughs) So, Father, a few things that we'd like to look at today. Of course, uh, this uh, now uh, calls for President Jacob Zuma to step down uh, at the launch of the Civic Organization's Future South Africa. What's what's the story here? Yeah, it's very interesting, Kanya. Like, we're seeing more and more voices that are asking or saying that Zuma must step down. Um, uh, you know, we, we're hearing um, Kavin Gordon come out now and said that. He said that at, the, at that joint meeting of religious and civil society the other day at Rima Bible Church, um, uh, I noticed last night on, 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 on Twitter, Derek Hanukkah was calling for uh, Zuma to step down. I noticed that... Uh, you know, of course, your cause is also making a lot of noise about uh, about Zuma. Uh, she, she, of course, has uh, faced death threats. I mean, she said at that same gathering that, um, you know, she's only got a month to live. And I noticed yesterday that Zizi Cordua, the spokesperson for the ANC, came out and said that she's let the ANC down because, uh, you know, this is no, no way to treat the organization, yes. um, which, which, is, which is kind of uh, very interesting as well. So, you know, there, there seems to be... Despite all the the politicking around the policy conference and the talking about, you know, we've emerged from this conference united, uh, we've emerged from this conference, you know, more determined, uh, you know, to ensure that certain things are done in the country, like the fight against corruption. I mean, we're starting to see that that was all very much just a media hype, I think, um, as as most people suspected, and that, uh, you know, the real issue is that uh, there's still a lot of a division in the ANC. There are a lot of factions in the ANC. There's a lot of unhappiness in the ANC. Uh, it's really a party divided against itself. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the key sort of uh, a person who seems to be at the very uh, pinnacle of this division is the president himself. That's not to say that if he had to step down, everything would be hunky-dory and we would all be uh, very happy, because I suspect that uh, you know, there's a whole faction there that, that one is going to have to uh, deal with. And there's been this, uh, so this firing of, uh, you know, um, people in various places, uh, like Sasa. Uh, the minister, they're refusing to comment on that, saying that, you know, that by asking her for comment, Glamini, uh, uh, that we are harassing her or harassing her or whatever she said. I think she said harassing, not harassing. Um, you know, and... And one says, no, actually, it's not, uh, you know, harassing you. Uh, it, this, 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 this is uh, calling for accountability. Um, so I think, uh, I think that, you know, the, the ANC really does face a, a, a much bigger problem maybe than they did even a month or two ago. There, there is a real sense that the wheels have come off and that the little uh, 
what do they call those trainer wheels, you know, they put on kids' bikes. Even the trainer wheels are not helping them to balance anymore. I mean, the wheels have really come off, you know? Mm. And uh, perhaps another question then is, you know, uh, people, well, we as Christians, uh, there are all these civic organizations coming, uh, you know, starting um, this uh, movement or calls uh, for President Zuma to step down. As uh, the church, of course, uh, SACC has also said something. Uh, The Jesuit Institute has said something. I think the Catholic Church has also said something. Uh, As people that just attend mass or go to a church service and so on, what what would be your recommendation to us as South Africans, Father? The thing is, I think we need to inform ourselves of what's going on. See, the problem around these kinds of issues are they're very emotive, and they can be very divisive. I mean, this is the genius, so to speak, in the system, that, you know, the president is still the president, because in many ways, let's face facts, many people in this country still believe in him, and many people in this country still support him. We can't deny that. You know, we this would be crazy to suggest that everyone's against him. He has his support base. And, and very often these sorts of things are not out of a rational, knowledgeable, uh, our reactions, I mean, are not out of a rational, knowledgeable position. We, we have to be very careful about what we read in the media. We've seen this emergence of fake news. We know yes. that many media, unfortunately, uh, push ideological uh, propaganda uh, to suit their position or whatever the case is. So I think the first thing we've got to do is we've really got to sit back, reflect, and be informed about what is going on in the country. My sense is that many people, many Catholics, are not informed. In fact, I hear often from Catholics, oh, I don't even read the newspapers anymore because it's all just bad news. Yes. You know? And yes. I, this is not, you know... A, a real tenant of our Catholic faith is to engage in what is happening around us, engage in our context. You know? and, so, and so we cannot actually live out our faith if we're not engaging in our context. So let's inform ourselves. Let's find out. Let's ask questions. Let's listen to different sides of the story. Let's look at, for example, statistical data, how since 2008 the economy of this country has not been on stable ground. And let's look at the effects of that economy not being on stable ground. Let's look at the effects of, for example, the millions or billions that are leaking from government coffers. People who sit in our benches who are religiously, faithfully paying tax every month, and that money is being used, uh, you know, to, to do all sorts of things uh, to, to benefit a few, uh, you know. And, and uh, so let's inform ourselves first of the situation. I think that's important from, from all sides, you know. And the second thing is we need to be we need to understand more clearly Catholic social teaching. And you know, we often joke and we say that Catholic social teaching is the best kept secret of the church that people don't know about it. Let's understand. I mean, there are so many important tenets in Catholic social teaching. What, the immediate one that comes to mind is, you know, common good. That we are supposed to make sure that we always, above all, promote the common good. And many things fall underneath that common good. We meant to have an option for the poor. And it's always, as Pope Francis pointed out again recently, you know, corruption at the end of the day affects the poor the worst. The poor affected the worst. So let's understand Catholic social teaching. Let's use the tools that have been given to us. And then let's talk about ways that we may... Uh, proceed. And this may be in all sorts of different ways. This may be 
know, in raising awareness, in, in burning up with things like this movement. It may be saying, okay, we need to step back and, and do some voter education. And I think voter education does not mean that we tell people who to vote for. It tells people how, how to make good decisions. It informs people of policies of different parties, puts it before them, gives them the basic rules of discernment, gives them the basic goods that the Catholic Church uh, uh, you know, has for centuries said make up good governance. And put those before our people. So I think there's a huge gap in education in our parishes and in our communities that, that really needs to be filled. Um, but we can't do that if we're not informed. Exactly. So one needs to read, make up their own mind, and not necessarily be told by the media how to think about uh, our country, but uh, read, be informed, and then make your own decision. Decide how you want to uh, to react to uh, whatever that you're reading. And then, Absolutely. of course, uh, we are Absolutely. guided by, by the, the, the Catholic social teachings uh, of the Church as well. And even Catholic doctrine. I mean, you know, if we look at our catechism, the catechism talks about good judgment, and, uh, you know, um, and it talks about, uh, you know, um, civil society, the Church's role in civil society. You know, so for those people who think that Catholic, doc- uh, Catholic social teaching is a little bit too progressive, you know, or on the left of center, well, it's not just Catholic social teaching. I mean, that, that in many ways has got a long, rich history, and it would be really worth studying. But, but just basic Catholic catechism as well about the role of the Church in society, you know, um, I think that, that's very important. And I want to add, you know, about the media thing, because I think that for most of us, where do we get our information? We do. We rely on newspapers and yes. TV. And, but we're living in a time where we've got to be, unfortunately, even suspicious of that information that's given to us. Let's use a church example. Just last week, uh, a so-called right of center uh, thing in the U.S., uh, church website, published a scathing article about the five questions that the Pope asked Cardinal Muller before, as it said, he fired him. Yes. Two days later, Cardinal Muller came out and said, that's a lie. He never said that to anybody. And those five questions were never asked to him by the Pope. Well, there were a lot of different Catholic news agencies that pulled those questions from this original source and started to spread them. They were all over the world. This is what the Pope had done and what an awful man he is. Look at the questions that he asked. Well, the the man who was there, physically present with the Pope, said these questions were never asked. So, you know, we, we, we need to do our best to find out and, and not to just take everything at face value that we read in the media. And whether that's Catholic media or whether that is, is secular media, there needs to always be, you know, a sense of let me look for the balance in this and not just uh, sort of swallow everything that's put before me. But, Father, obviously then that links to the next thing that I want to talk about, the the... Obviously, they felt, uh, this media house felt that they do have a leverage. There must be, you know, people will go that way because there must be something. There must be a kind of the meat uh, on the bone or there must be a hook to it. And uh, is it perhaps uh, this uh, growing opposition to Francis that uh, uh, that seems to be in the air, so to speak? Yes. Let's Let's be totally honest. There is a section of the Catholic Church that is opposed to the Pope. And I think that we've seen, um, you know, not... Uh, somebody said this is... I, I read on Twitter just last night. Somebody said, you know, this has been the worst papacy and the most opposed, opposed papacy in recent history. That is not true. Look, a pope is never going to please everybody. You know, a pope is never going... 
And when someone like the Pope introduces big change where in the way that we think or in the way that we do things, you do that in any organization, people are going to feel uncomfortable and there's going to be some blowback. But there is a sense that the more conservative, and, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't even know if we should use the word conservative because, you know, some conservative theologians, for example, are really good theologians, you know, so, so to sort of see conservative, uh, conservatives as, 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 uh, as bad uh, or as the opposition, I think is a bad thing, because I think we need both. I think we need progressive thinkers, but I also think we need people who are uh, more conservative in their uh, protection of or defense of uh, the faith and the deposit of faith. That's, that's important. These kind of right-wing, fascist almost, uh, websites, and it's fascinating to me that almost all of them, as far as I can make out, are based in the United States. They're not even, they're not, not even preaching opposition to the Pope. They're, they are in many ways, it's pure hate speech. It's pure hate speech, you know? And, and, and you know, there is the this, this, this sense that, that, that there is a certain section of the Church that is very unhappy with, um, with Francis. That same section who were kind of happy with Benedict, also thought that Benedict didn't go too far enough, you know. So I, I think we need to see these things in perspective. I think there is a, a, a growing opposition amongst, uh, you know, uh, those right of center. I think, uh, I think that there is a lot of blowback from people who are working in Rome, partly because there's a sense of insecurity, there's a sense of the unknown. It's not business as usual, and this has unsettled people. And the way that we react to this is by being defensive. And the way that we react to this is often as well by, um, you know, sort of saying things uh, which uh, in, in one way or another will damage the reputation of, of the person that's making us feel uncomfortable. And uh, Father Russell, I think uh, looking at the time there, we just need to conclude it. Uh, you've written this uh, article uh, for America magazine uh, about uh, this uh, Commission for the Promotion and Protection of the Rights of Cultural, Religious and Linguistic Communities in South Africa. It's your, uh, the report to Parliament recommending that all religious practitioners in South Africa uh, be registered under umbrella organizations. Uh, this, of course, uh, has tax implications, uh, and uh, these, of course, uh, these organizations then would be recognized by the state and subject to peer review committees. Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy thing in many ways. The more I think about it, um, you know, the, the more it's crazy. So, so basically, they want to regulate religion. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Uh, you know, they want to try and control uh, religious practitioners. And it's springing out of, you know, those kinds of stories that we heard about you know, pastors spraying dooming people's faces or telling them to eat rat poison and not to take their chronic medica- medication. So this committee did this inquiry. And now as a way of trying to combat that, they are suggesting that, you know, we regulate religion for lack of a, for lack of a better way of putting it. Well, this is nuts. Some of those things that those people do, if you spray poison in somebody's face, this is a criminal act. And exactly. so the law already provides for ways of dealing with that. You do have to wonder, this is just a side question, if you went to a church where the pastors are dooming your faith and it affected people negatively, why the hell would you go back the following week? I mean, it does say something about about the people that go uh, to, to, to these kinds of uh, practitioners as well. Uh, but that's another story. The worrying thing about this whole thing is, you know, is that there's a conflict of understanding of what it means 
to, to have freedom of religion in South Africa, which is enshrined in our constitution, you see. So some people believe that religious freedom is absolute, you know, and they would say that it's even more, more, more radical evangelical Christians would say that religious freedom is even uh, above the constitution, which is a dangerous position to take. It's not a Catholic position. Um, other people, you know, would see religion as completely dependent on and subject to the state. You know, this is what happens in, in, in places like, uh, like China. But the growing thing here, and the thing that we need to watch is, as the churches suddenly are sort of seeming to, uh, uh, you know, maybe present more and more opposition to government, to call them out, to take a prophetic stance, is this a way that government is trying to control religious expression and the religious sector so that, they can clamp down on the religious sector when they uh, confront uh, what they seem to think is abuses in in, in society uh, and, and by the state. So is this a way that the state is trying to shut down the voice of religion uh, if, if religion is becoming, uh, uh, you know, uh, criticizing those in power? And uh, I had somebody say, you see now what these new churches are doing to the mainline churches, <laughs> because this decision, obviously, uh, those examples of uh, doom pasta and, uh, you know, uh, the other pasta who made people eat grass and so on, those are used as uh, the leverage then for, from this commission to say, this is why we want to do this. But uh, there have been mainland churches that have been there for years and years, the Catholic Church, over 2,000 years. But this decision then affects them directly as well. Yes, of course. And that's the problem when you've got these these crazy groups that are unregulated. I mean, in many ways, for example, the mainland religions are regulated. I mean, think about the Catholic Church's structure. You know, yes. you've got priests who are given faculties by a bishop. You've got a bishop's conference, you know. You, you've got these structures in place. I mean, if a priest must behave, you know, wh- one of the things to do is to go to the bishop and to say, look, my priest prayed doom in our faces and we came up for communion on Sunday morning. And no doubt the bishop will act by removing that guy's faculty. <laughs> there are really systems of accountability. Whereas for many of these other churches, they are not. But for the for the state to be trying to control that, you know, it's going to make no difference whatsoever. So I think the state is after A, you know, controlling the, the, the voice of religion, but B, I suspect there's also something about getting into the, the, the church's money in a way, you know, because a lot of these guys, let's face it, are making a lot of money on the side, and unlike the Catholic Church that has an accounting system that does present, uh, you know, um, every parish, every diocese does present accounts, has, has them audited, this is not happening in these in these kinds of churches, you know. But for the government to become, as Archbishop Brisbane said, you know, for this overkill, uh, one would expect this more from a totalitarian state rather than a constitutional democracy. You know, deal with the issues at hand and don't try and make this whole blanket thing, uh, uh, you know, for everybody. It, 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 there's, a, there's a certain craziness in this. Father Russell, thank you very much for your time. By the way, anything else before we conclude? The last thing to say is that uh, Father Tom Weston has uh, been to um, Johannesburg, Manzini, uh, Port Elizabeth, and Cape Town. And, Fania, we heard from people that this has been, uh, surprisingly, many people said, this has been the best winter living theology that we've had in the last couple of years. And in wow. actual fact, on some of the evaluation forms, people have said, uh, you know, uh, bring Father Weston back next year. 
So his last week is in Durban. Next week we'll be talking uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and he'll be giving a retreat on the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The talks are all at St. Joseph's in Morningside in Durban. The retreat is at the Bluff. If in any way you have missed Father Weston or uh, you have not heard him talk, I can assure you he is a wonderful speaker. He's very entertaining. He says some extremely important things. People all over the place have found it helpful. If you can, get to Durban next week to listen to Father Weston talk about addiction and recovery. It's not just for addicts, but it's for their family, their friends, for pastoral workers, for counselors, for anybody wanting to know anything about that world of addiction. And it's not just addiction to alcohol and, and uh, drugs, but he even sometimes talks about addiction to electronic devices and social media. <laughs> so really uh, an all-rounder uh, in terms of that. So, Father Thomas Weston, of course, and if people want to be, uh, want to know where you are and so on, uh, Father Russell, can they just email admin at jesuitinstitute.org.za? It, yes, indeed. That, that would be the best way to do it. Or give us a call, 11 that's 011-482-4237. Uh, Father Thomas Weston, Winter Living Theology, and of course speaking on finding God in addiction, pastoral responses to addiction, addiction and uh, recovery. St. Uh, Joseph's Parish in uh, Morningside. Uh, the retreat, uh, Father, is it uh, for anybody? Retreat for anybody. We've had, uh, we've had people who uh, have been addicts themselves. We've had members of their families. We've, we've had... Uh, uh, priests who just want to uh, spend some time reflecting and learning how to help people in their parishes, so for anybody who, who comes along. And in actual fact, the 12-step program that he talks about can actually be a personal spirituality. It's not just uh, for addiction. But if you look at it carefully, I mean, it can teach us about so many things in life, uh, how to confront different problems, not simply just addiction. So it's very broad as well and can be applied to a number of different things. And that's uh, the retreat from the 28th to the 30th of July. And before that, he will be giving this talk uh, from the 25th to the 27th of July. Father Russell, thank you very much. And uh, we hope to see you back in uh, Johannesburg soon. Thank you, Kanye. All the best. Uh, God bless you.